You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. He's the general manager of an NHL team winning the Stanley Cup forever his dream. But before you come first here, man, you gotta be last. I don't know when to start talking. A kid who turned things around I think it's fast. coming soon. Be crappy for there we go. <laughs> be bad for Bedard. What a song. Listen, that's all timer from from Duffy. Like I just saw them doing a little uh little montage of all the all the trades. Well, skits that they've done yeah, over the years. From, what, what was that mascot's name? Tradesy? Tradesy. It was right after, after Gritty. gritty yeah. yeah. Uh, Hedger taking the taking the t-shirt cannon. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> on the chin. Like, a lot of good memories. The trade llamas. Deadline there was the llamas the one year. Very the few lot. involving trades, but a lot of great <laughs> memories when it comes to trade deadline day. Uh, welcome back. Frankie has, has taken his leave, the face of the franchise here at TSN. He's going to be appearing in multiple places across the network throughout the rest of the day. So so fear not. You'll see more Frankie Corrado. Julie Tichari is also hosting like, Overdrive, too. So he'll be back on the radio waves doing some OD later on today at 4 p.m. Oh, my gosh. What a guy. We couldn't even. There's a few hockey broadcasts tonight. There's a. What is there? There's a. There's a. The Habs game Habs tonight? game. That's going to be the Bedard Bowl. You got Habs and Ducks. CHL, but wasn't there another hockey game tonight on our network? Potentially. We, Sens, oh, a Jets Sens game. Jets. There's a Jets game. Yeah. So a whole bunch of hockey tonight. So all the people that are on TV for eight hours uh, are going to hop Oof. back on TV. Oh, we have a Connor Bedard game on on uh, TSN tonight. If you guys are intrigued by it, eight p.m. Regina, Winnipeg. We'll see you there after Trade Center. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot going down today. AB. Um, We've got Brucey B in the studio, Bruce Boudreaux, who I feel like is carrying our content for the day. Did you meet him yesterday? No. I got a question for you. Tell me. Okay. Would it be offside? Like, I'm going to roll over to Studio 6, Oh, yeah. I'll come over there. Would it be offside for me to ask Brucey for a photo? I think everyone in this building has asked Bruce for a photo, so I feel like... So it's onside? (laughs) I think it's onside. I just want the photo. I got to chuck it up on IG and just put Bruce, there it is. Yeah. And that would make me so happy. Dude, hilarious story. So it was kind of hush-hush around TSN that Bruce was going to be here today. It was just... It was, I think, supposed to be revealed on Overdrive yesterday, and then his wife broke it on Twitter a little earlier. So (laughs) nobody really knew, but... People kind of knew. Yesterday, Marissa Roberto, one of our faves, we have her on the show occasionally, host DSC for TSN, was walking uh, in the hallway <laughs> up top. There's a little kind of skyway here at TSN that attaches thing. the two buildings. She walks into the skyway. She's going to, to do her plays of the week. And, and she sees Bruce Boudreau walking towards her. <laughs> like she had, and just think about it with no context. Like if I would have ran into Bruce yesterday, I knew Bruce was supposed to be in the building, so I could have gathered myself for a moment and been like, hey, how's it going, Bruce? She had no idea that she was about to run into Bruce Boudreau. So he was just walking towards her and she like stood there, held the door. She she was thinking like, oh my God, what do I say? She was like, she, all I got out was, Hey, and then he kept walking. That's <laughs> oh, fine. You get a hey. You know? That was great. That was great. But I think it's just hilarious. She wasn't expecting to see him at all, and a wild Bruce appears. Yeah, a wild Bruce appeared, and uh, man, he was hilarious today. Well, actually, I think we have this audio. 
Can we pull this up? So they did a, a, another skit, right? Like, I mean, JD, he's got nine hours to fill. They have so much content canned in case we don't get a lot of trades. I think there's been maybe four or five deals or so that we've seen happen so far. Five is the number. Five trades so far. I think they set the over-under at about 18 and a half, but we've already seen so much. Yeah. I don't know if they'll get to that number, but in case they don't, there's been a lot of content that they made sure that they had created. And one was uh, Bruce Boudreaux, a little bit of a, a recreation of, remember the 24-7 series where he walked in, dropped 15 F-bombs in like a minute when it was Penn's Caps. One of the 24- OG viral hockey clips. Oh, iconic, iconic. And uh, they did a recreation of that video with Brucey Boudreaux today ripping into the TSN staff. Here it is. Hey, guys, listen up for a minute here. I've never seen a group of people look so down. What are you, prima donna perfect, where you can't handle a little bit of adversity? This is the NHL. You guys are too good to be doing nothing. Pounder, you've let that nomination go to your head. Button, this isn't junior. Let's get this going here. This is the NHL. We need you. Duffy, let's get our in gear here. You haven't done a thing for two weeks. You sit on your and you pretend to make phone calls. You're better than this. LeBron, Johnson, crack some trades for a second here, eh? We're sitting here doing nothing. We need information. Gino, what are you doing? You're sitting down. You don't even have a chair. Get the up and do some work around here. I know Duffy's hosting. I know you're not working with much, but we can do it. That's how good we are. Surely we can do better than this. Let's get her going. Let's go, everyone. Like, hilarious. <laughs> Underrated line. Gino, you don't even have a chair. Like, oh that my is God. so good. I, what got me was like, like Pounder, you let that go to your head. <laughs> you let the nomination <laughs> go to your head. Hilarious. And Cheryl uh, takes it on the chin. She nods sadly. Yep. She's like, yeah, I know. I got to be better. No, she's been excellent. Uh, excellent all year. Definitely excellent today. That was that was great. Bruce has been a really good addition, and, and he shared some some really good stories also throughout the day and, and on Trade Center. So he's been a good, uh, good addition to the TSN squad. Everyone's still sitting here trying to break some trades. It's a minor trade that has happened. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it requires a sting. Well, it's just, it's trade deadline day, so I feel like it'd be rude if we didn't. Thank you. The Montreal Canadiens have dealt Nate Schnarr. Oh, uh, I like him. Frederick Allard. (laughs) I don't know much about Nate Schnarr since he played in Guelph, but that was a great Guelph team. He was on the magical Guelph team that came back. All those times against London, against Saginaw, against the Sioux, I think. He was yeah. on that great London team. Or Guelph, I mean. You know far more than I do about uh, about Nate Schnarr. I know that, you know, youngish player, but minor league guys. He's been in the minors. Yeah, I think he was an Arizona long. draft pick. He was, yes, I do I do call that. Third round pick back in twenty seventeen. Twenty four years old, forward, shoots right, can play uh, down the middle. This season for Laval has got seven points in twenty seven games, according to all of the information that I'm gathering off of hockey. DB and he is LA bound. So LA picking up a depth forward um, in Nate Schnarr. Okay. So yeah, not not a massive trade, but uh, it's a trade nonetheless. Um, you know, there's still some names out there though. Like we we know we're going to get some moves. JVR is out there. Brock Besser, Joel Edmondson, Connor Garland, Dmitry Kulikov, the five guys that are at the top of TSN's trade bait board. I would imagine we see some of those guys get moved and, and you know some of these other players. But it does appear there was a report. We were talking about JT Miller and how much 
smoke there was around him going to Pittsburgh. Josh Yoey of The Athletic, he's a really solid reporter um, of The Athletic, he is reporting that it, it, you know JT Miller to Pittsburgh might come someday, but he doesn't believe that today is going to be that day. He says a source has confirmed that. So yeah. uh, maybe we don't see JT Miller uh, move, but you know, is what it is. Is, is Hayes there right now? Well, let's head down to uh, Studio 6, where we got Hazy B, the host of Overdrive. What's going on, Brian? Do we oh, got we're you? having some audio. Oh, we got some technical difficulties. Maybe we can, we're not getting them there. Hazy, there? I can hear you. Can you guys hear me? Oh, beautiful. We got you. We got you. What's going on, Hazy B? What time did you get into the building this morning? I uh, got here around 7 a.m., so I did a phoner with First Up, and I told them i would be in studio and then my alarm went off and i said i'm not i feel making that. it for no 640 it's ridiculous was not going to happen so yeah i've been here since about seven how many deals do we have so far i think five five a day it sounds like a six that's just come down i'm seeing pierre lebrun dmitry kulikov going to pittsburgh so Pitt getting themselves another depth defenseman any any comments on that one <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're just trying to keep the band together and they're trying to get in, right? Yeah. I mean, that there is a legitimate race in the Eastern Conference, and, and when you sign Gino, when you bring back Latang, when you got Sid, Hextall and Burke are committed to doing whatever they can to get in. So they're making moves. They've been putting players on waivers. They're trying to free up money. I don't think that that's going to move the needle in terms of them actually punching a ticket, but that's basically what it is. And I, I'm curious about that mentality because – they're going to be a wild card team, so they're going to likely play Boston in the first round, maybe Carolina in the first round. I don't see them doing anything between now and 3 o'clock, including this Kulikov deal, that would push either of those series to even six games, hmm. let alone seven. Like if Pitt, yes, they got the pedigree, they got great players, but you play Boston in the first round, what do you realistically think you're doing? I'm, I'm not sure. Waste of eight sure days. That, of yeah, eight days. exactly. Remember that I don't, Tampa team, I don't see though? how they could be that optimistic. That's a good point. Remember like Tampa, Tampa back in Columbus, they 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 had such a great season, pillar to post, and then right the playoffs came and they kind of fell apart. Got is that the year Washington swept? won? And Washington got so, to look yeah. at Columbus in the second round. And say, damn, we're playing yeah, Columbus. Yeah, that's listen. The beauty of of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're not wrong, Julia. I mean, there's a long history oh, right. of that. I just I think it's even beyond that. Let's say the miracle happens. You you beat Boston. Then you got to play Toronto or Tampa mm. in the next round. So you need a borderline miracle to get through that. And then the third round, you're looking at Carolina, New York, New Jersey. I just think there's a real separation between the top six teams and everyone else, including Pitt. And listen, Ottawa's coming. They're making it interesting. The Islanders are trying to hold on. Buffalo's trying to hold on. It's going to be a great race. And there are a couple of the teams in there. Like Ottawa, like Buffalo, if they get in, they're just happy to be there. That's a big accomplishment. Even if they get swept, they have made big steps. But that's not the case with Pitt. Like, Pittsburgh's been a perennial cup-contending team for 15 years, and I just don't think that's a reality anymore. Uh, with Brian Hayes uh, from Overdrive, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. You look at the deals that have come down the last couple of weeks here, especially in the East. You talk about it being an arms race to even get out of here. But you look at players, Dmitry Orlov, Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Patrick Kane. Of those players, is there one in particular that you're circling saying he could be a difference maker, he could be that key acquisition that this team needed? Well, I'm not sure Boston needed Orlov, but look what he's doing already. Unbelievable. He's, yeah, he's got three goals, eight points in four games. Guy's chewing up minutes, and now you've got a top four of Orlov likely playing with McAvoy. You've got Lindholm likely playing with 
Brandon Carlo. I don't think you can you can top that that top four defense in Boston. So that is the definition of the rich getting richer. I don't know what Kane has left. I think Tarasenko, he scored again last night. He had the OT winner. I'm not sure which of those two players will have the bigger impact. Kane's the bigger name. He's had a better career. But Tarasenko might technically have more left in the tank to actually supply in, in New York. Um, so I, I think, honestly, this is where the Leafs come into play. Ryan O'Reilly is in a way now under the radar because there's been so many moves, yeah. right? Like Bo Horvath, Bo Horvath got traded a month ago, and he's been very good on the island. And he's a really impactful player, and it's almost as if that's been completely lost in the shuffle because of how many other deals have taken place. Uh, so I'm not sure there's one in particular because there's been so many. There's four or five guys you can look at in the Eastern Conference, and you fully expect they're going to play big minutes, offer big production, and possibly have a big impact on a cup pursuit. I didn't even mention the name Timo Meyer, who was probably right. the best oh, of the guy, bunch eh? and number one on the trade board for months and didn't even come across because there's been so many big names. Yeah. And I think that that's a testament to him playing in San Jose. I think a part of it, too, right? There's an East Coast bias there that we don't pay attention as much mm-hmm. because he's been in San Jose. But you're right. That that dude is a player. Like He's a point-of-game power forward that's going to have a big impact on that team. And Jersey's under the radar because they have been – off the radar for so long and it's toronto boston tampa new york carolina's been you know a perennial powerhouse in the east watch out for those devils man they they still could shock the world and, and if they do timo meyer will play a big role in that yeah all of a sudden people care we care what people in new jersey think <laughs> i love the people of new jersey your favorites i've always been a fan your favorites brian hayes right now the host of overdrive what do you think about the leafers hazy b you think kyle dubas has anything up his sleeve today we asked the question on twitter if fans would be disappointed or if they're happy with the roster that he's put together if he didn't do anything else today uh where do you sit on that i doubt it. Um, he's got under two hours left. I would think, if anything, it's a depth defenseman moving out. Maybe they recoup some picks or a pick. But he's done so much heavy lifting here. I don't see how you could be expecting more. I know the goaltending position is what keeps coming up, but it, it sure sounds like he made his bed in the summer. It's Samsonov and Murray, and Joseph Wall is likely the third-string guy. And if for whatever reason they ever had to get to a fourth string, then they were toast anyway. And I, I agree with that philosophy. If yeah. you're on your third or fourth stringer yeah. and you need him to drag you to a cup final and win one, that's just not possible. It's not going to happen. So if you're not going to upgrade on Samsonov, if you can't move off Murray because he's got this year and next and because of his reputation league-wide, this is what you're going to have. So I don't expect he's going to do anything in the goaltending position between now and three unless it truly is like a depth, depth Marley's piece. Uh, So I think everything that he was going to do, he has done. I think he has probably exceeded his own expectations. I'm not sure three weeks ago he was thinking O'Reilly, Achari, Luke Shen's coming back. You're bringing in Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, Eric Gustafson. Like six players were in the lineup last night that were not here three weeks ago. That is a lot of turnover. So I'm not bracing for any more. I don't think they have to do any more. I think he's done a very good job of piecing this team together, and now it's on them to simply get the job done. Hey, I'm curious. Like You talk about they brought in so many pieces here, right? Six guys, and you look at the roster today and the game last night against um, the Calgary Flames and how different the roster looked compared to where they were night one of the, of the season. When do you think the shift in 
you know, philosophy maybe for Kyle Dubas was this year where he realized to himself, you know what, we got to change things up and we got to add some more impact, guys. We got to maybe uh, go a little bit closer to the intangibles, team eye test. Like, where do you think that shift occurred? I think it possibly occurred last spring. And they made their decision that they were coming back with the core, but they were going to change other pieces. And the way that the salary cap world works and free agency works is on July 1st, the 31 other teams are in. Mm. And everyone thinks they got a chance at turning a corner. And you only have so many contracts to give out and only so much money to give out. And you're competing with other teams that are willing to maybe give more money. So it's difficult to do a lot of work on July 1st and in free agency. At the draft, you can't draft and develop six players between the draft and, and the trade deadline or game one of the playoffs. So I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they always envision making significant changes leading up to the deadline because that's when you know there's a lot of teams that are out. Players become available that you were not prepared to. There's no way they thought Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari were on their radar last summer. Right. Yeah. Everyone was thinking St. Louis would be competitive, but that comes up, and boom, they pounce on that. McCabe, I think they probably were planning on finding a replacement for Jake Muzzin when they realized Muzzin wasn't going to play again. They've yeah. known he wasn't going to play again for months. Everyone's known that. So this is not something that happened game 40, game 45. They played Boston and looked poorly, so boom, we're going to change everything. I think they realized they had enough to be a very quality regular season team do a lot of the heavy lifting, be well on your way to the playoffs. But I would assume it was Game 7 against Tampa last year would have had more of an impact on what these changes were going to be than any individual game or cluster of games during the regular season. I, I think he's been committed to this. He had to wait his time. He couldn't get it done in free agency. Again, you can't draft and develop overnight. So you had to wait for players to become available and teams to get desperate to flip and accrue cap space. There's a lot of different complications that go into it. But I'm sure this has been a long time coming. And whether it's the right move or not, we'll find out. But as I've been saying all week, I'm sure you two have as well, there's a chance to marry both mentalities here. Yeah. Where if you are a believer in consistency, bringing the band back, skill, speed, talent, etc., that is still here. And now it's married with turning the roster over, moving pieces around, bringing in new goalies. Tavares is playing on the wing, toughness, grit, veteran status. Really, both parties have come together, and if the Leafs can go on a run, everyone is going to be obnoxious, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every Leaf oh, fan yeah. is going to say, I knew it, everyone I've been telling you. Right. Exactly, and and that's the way it's – and I guess from Dubas's standpoint, he could probably stake claim on, on both sides of the fence as well. Like yeah. He knew he had to make changes, which he did. But Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Riley, Brody, they're all still here. The coach is still here. So he can probably spin it whichever way he wants. We We can can unite the fan base. We can all stand there on parade day, hold hands, sway from side to side. There you go. Uh, Hazy B, we got to let you go. You're busy over at Studio 6. But I have to ask about the O-Dog. He always comes in looking so so fly and dapper. He's looking even better today. today? Like a solid (laughs) 12 today. What's what's going on in Studio 6? It's top notch. Uh, There was a stunt double that was in here. Same. That was a stunt double? No. If you can believe it. I thought it was just a good hair day. No, it, it it was. I'm willing to break that news for you, too. But the resemblance was uncanny. Same body mass, same everything across yeah. the board. And, um, yeah, the O-Dog, they got him working here, man. He was playing the role of Bill Daly when they were doing the draft lottery. I saw that. He had the stunt double. He's up for the Oscar next week with his role in this new song that Duffy put together. 
He's a uh, he's a man of many talents. He's a rock Theo star. I, I, yeah, and he's still rocking over here. I there think, he is. He just walked by. There he is. What up? What up? <laughs> <laughs> Odog's officially been on Leafs Lunch Edition of Trade Center. We heard him right there. Uh, Hazy B, appreciate it, pal. I'm sure you've got lots of takes and lots of stuff to continue to talk about at 4 p.m. when OD gets on these mics. But we appreciate taking the time, and uh, we'll, we'll look for you on the tube as well between now and then. Yep, can't wait. Thanks, guys. All right, there he goes. Brian Hayes, host of Overdrive, and uh, currently partaking in what's going on over on uh, TSN 1 and 4 Trade Center. It's, it's, uh, it's a crazy one. Yeah, uh, the O-Dog stunt double was hilarious. I thought you were just going to say hot. <laughs> he was, also, he was a very good-looking man. I will say that. He was a good-looking dude, I'll say. But, uh, <laughs> like, it, it, could you imagine if, if, like, we walk in here at 4 p.m. on Overdrive and it's that individual, not Overdrive? I wonder if he knows anything about sports. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> maybe I'll go ask him. <laughs> well, we'll mosey on over there in, in about a half hour or so, and maybe we can uh, get a question or two in there and get a photo. Oh, that's it, right? we got to get photos with Brucey, and then we got to get a photo with the O-Dog stunt double. That'll, yes. that'll make our day uh, here today. Um, so as I was talking uh, with Hazy B, it looks like there was one other deal that did come through, and Kulikov is officially going to uh, to Anaheim, and apparently Brock ben- er, Kulikov from Anaheim to Pittsburgh, Brock McGinn will be going back the other way as uh, as part of the deal. So uh, they're getting rid of a contract I think Brock there. Brock McGinn was on waivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's clearly not part of their picture, and just clear out some cap space to bring in a guy like Kulikov. Um, there's still lots, uh, lots, lots of time for some moves to be done. About an hour and a half left until the trade deadline is here. We're having the conversation with Hazy B though about like when we, I, I asked him when do you think this, you know, change? Like, I know we got into the conversation earlier. For the lack of a better word, I'll use the word philosophy though. Like the change in philosophy came for Kyle Dubas, where he said there's some heavy lifting that needs to be done with this group. I think adding six new players is considered heavy lifting with this group. When do you think that change came through? I thought he gave a really interesting answer where he said, you know what? I think it came after they lost game seven, but it, it takes a long time to make those changes. Yeah, and if you think it about the offseason, like the free agency tried to sign, like they didn't really work out. Like, Goddard just went out the door. Yeah. Who else? Like, Aaron Kroc has worked out well. Fine. But you can tell what he was trying to do Samsonov's with what he did. Well. Yeah, Samsonov's but. been good. But in terms of, like, the pieces he added this There's summer, no impact, skaters. impact difference makers, right? No, and, but you could tell the angle he was kind of trying to take yeah. there. And then, to Hayes' point, no one expected the St. Louis to be in a selling position. Except Gino. He brought Gino back. And that was a <laughs> right. <laughs> an <Yeah>. interesting <laughs> yeah. Dennis Mulligan. But... Yeah, like, it, it takes a while. It's not something that could be done overnight, right? Like, it's not something that you could just wake up July 1 and, and, and completely overhaul your team in one day. It takes time, and clearly Kyle Dubas said we need to make some differences, and he has, and we'll see if it works. Again, I think last night's game was an indicator. Last night was a very playoff-esque game, it seemed like, right? Calgary oh, yeah. is a terrific team defensively. They limit your chances, and I think they're, like, second in the league in terms of shots uh, given up. They're second in the league in terms of expected goals against. Like, that is a great, tight defensive unit, right? Um, and Toronto, for the first half of the game, seemed like they may have struggled to create. But then the second half of the game, they came alive. And they found ways to break that down. And that's an encouraging sign, I think, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I look at one player in particular who actually surprised me. Not surprised me, but I thought elevated his game 
to uh, to new not new heights, but I thought he played well as Mitch Marner. I just want to give some love He's to Mitch Marner. He's always finding last new night. heights. Like this season, his consistency—it's been outstanding. Yeah. And 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 I just watched last night's game in particular against that team and that tight defense. He was a guy who was creating space and creating offense and finding ice. We always talk about in the playoffs where ice is taken away and those guys have kind of shrunk a little bit, right, when they don't have that time and space. He didn't have that time and space in the first half of the game, and he said to himself, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to get it. The goal that he scored? Oh, unbelievable. Oh, my god! And then he almost scored another one. He, he Similarly, was yeah. On the wall, and he said, I'm going to do a nice little spinorama move and then cut to the middle of the ice, stick handle my way across people, create that yeah. space. Markstrom waited him out, made a really good stop. But that was just an unbelievable play. Like, how many and guys in the NHL could make that play? Not a lot. So few. Not a lot. So few. Probably, the way he turned on the wall is crazy. Uh, uh, Honestly, like there may most of the people resided in the province of Alberta who could make those plays. Yeah, that, like, fair enough. That night, to be honest, so not a whole lot of guys can can do that. And you know, I I, I was having this conversation earlier with Steph before you got in here, and I said, you know, after watching last night's game, and and, and really after watching the entire season and the body of work that Mitch Marner has done, but then last night him going almost legend in that game, taking over and getting them on top. He's a guy I'm looking at in this playoffs. Like, we always talk about Austin has never gone legend. Yeah. Maybe it's Mitch who could go legend for this team. Because who sets Austin up, like, 70% of the time? Mitchell Marner. That's a fair point. Like, yeah, maybe it's... Point. maybe, And, and uh, that doesn't mean that Austin can't do it. Last year, both McDavid and Leon both went legend. But we always sit here and say we're waiting for Matthews to do it. We're waiting for Matthews to do it. And he still very well could. Yep. But we could also get that out of Mitch Marner because I think that he's capable of being in that upper echelon of talent that he's proven to us that we might be able to expect that to come out of him this upcoming playoffs. And a game like last night against a tight, checking team who doesn't give you a lot of ice, he found a way to get ice himself, to get open, and to find a space for him to make some moves. And he took the put the game on his back and ended up really making a difference there last night. Yeah, because so. Austin has always been... I, I think I feel comfortable saying that Mitch Marner has always been the Leafs maybe most dynamic player. Yep. Like Austin was their most dominant last season. Mitch Marner, I think, has been and is their most dynamic player. Uh, forward player like you're right you're right i think we're all circling austin as the guy that needs to step up in the postseason and don't get me wrong he absolutely does like you they need a couple do. minutes the the day, but they, they both do neither have a playoff not not even a series where you could look that they put a staple down and said hey not really a this game. is their moment right not even really a game where they've shredded the opponent in no. the postseason so, yeah, for every bit that it's Austin, it's got to be Mitch, too. Yeah, and I think both of them, uh, they, they can do it. And, uh, you know, the season that Marner's having, he's proven to me that maybe that killer instinct, maybe that flip, that switch could get flipped here. All right, uh, we got to take a break. We've got a great guest coming up on the other side, one of our favorites, Kristen Shilton, ESPN NHL reporter. She will join us on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Tasheri. Trade Center continues here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Welcome back. A trade deadline edition of Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. It's Julia Tacheri and Mike DiStefano with you. We're joined by our favorite when anything happens in Leafs Nation, ESPN NHL reporter Kristen Shilton. How are we, Kristen? Oh, doing so well. How are you guys? Good. Good. We're buzzing. We're buzzing. What's your day like today? Your first ESPN Trade Center day, right? 
Well, the, my second right. last, last, year. last right. year was my first, but uh, I honestly have been just so crazed from all of the trades that have already happened that it's almost nice that today is kind of the uh, the slow news day that we sort of were all expecting, given all the action that's happened. Because let me tell you, the last five days uh, have not included a whole lot of sleeping or doing literally anything other than monitoring for trades. Human so, activities. It's, but you know yeah. what, though? Like, it's, it's got to be good for the sport, right? Like ESPN, like they have such an influence on whether or not this sport can grow, especially down in the States. And with all the mm. movement, the star players that have been moved and talked about and dealt, like this has to be really, really good timing for, uh, for the sport in its future. Well, it's great because it's right after, you know, the NBA trade deadline where so much happened mm-hmm. and the big names were all on the move. And, and this has kind of been, you know, the NHL equivalent to that. I mean, it's obviously different parameters with salary caps and things in different leagues, but we've seen some really surprising trades. I think we've seen teams going all in the Eastern Conference. Just it's like going to be a cage match to get through this first round. Uh, it, and it's exciting. And I think for uh, hockey in general, it's just nice to see some aggressive uh, GMs and some, uh, you know, some trades that we really didn't see coming. And you never know what the next uh, hour and a half will bring, but uh, I, I, there's still some big names out there. So who knows uh, what else we might see as well. So it's all good things. And it is nice for the NHL that have kind of followed up the NBA with uh, a pretty exciting deadline week of their own. Yeah, it's been awesome so far. Kyle Dubas has been really active, more active than, than we've really ever seen him. And Kristen, you covered his entire, for your entire tenure as uh, on the Leafs beat. Kyle Dubas was there. You've seen him grow throughout his career. What did his approach to the deadline, like what was your reaction to his approach to the deadline this year and, and how did it differ from other seasons? Yeah, you know, I, I really thought after the O'Reilly-Achari trade that there would maybe not be another big move in his uh, in his process, but then I thought that uh, going after Jake McCabe and, and bringing uh, Sam Lafferty in, you're adding more depth, and, and you know, you have to like that. You're, you're really trying to surround your core, if you're Dubas, with everything that they could possibly need in order to not just get through the first round, but to really carry that on. And, and he said uh, after the O'Reilly trade, you know, you, you have to look at your window and you have to say, hey, here we are, top five in the standings again. We've got to take advantage of that. And so I just appreciate that, that Dubas it has put all his chips in the middle, that he has, you know, even moved some roster players at this point, which he didn't really want to do. He's moved, um, you know, a lot of that draft capital that, uh, you know, that Toronto won't have over the next couple of years, but that it doesn't really need because that's not where they're at. They're not trying to build through the draft, that's what they've been doing. And they still have some terrific prospects. Uh, you know, we talk about Matthew Nice. He's just having such a great season in college right now. Uh, and there's there's players that are coming up through the system. So I think Dubas's approach in setting this year's Leafs up to have the best opportunity in the playoffs they could possibly have without mortgaging what, you know, the next several years are going to look like for this franchise. It's been a really nice balance. And if we're saying he doesn't do anything else, uh, you know, before 3 p.m., then I think this is the most, this has the potential, I should say, to be the most successful trade deadline that he's had uh, with Toronto so far, just because of the potential that these additions are going to have 
Uh, and I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't begrudge the fan base for judging everyone on their first couple of games, but let's give some of these players a little bit of time to, you know, find their feet before we start saying whether this is a, a yay or nay for Dubas at the deadline. With so many acquisitions, it's six new players that have come in, and, and it's like completely flipped the bottom end of the roster. And there's been a little bit of a shift in mentality as, as to the types of players that they've kind of acquired and thrown into this lineup. How much influence do you think Jason Spezza has had in that? He's a guy who's been in the room the last couple of years when they've had those heartbreaks. Now he's up in management, and he's a you know, right-hand man to Kyle Dubas. Do you think he has had some influence in maybe you know, getting Dubas to buy into the other side a little bit? I have no doubt that even when Spezza was a player, that he would have spoken up and said, hey, you know, we need, you know, more of this or more of that, you know, to try to get, uh, you know, to get that team where he hoped uh, that it would be when he was still in the lineup. But absolutely now, you know that he and, and Dubis are in constant conversation. And if he was asked for his thoughts or to give an opinion on what he felt was lacking, uh, I'm absolutely certain that he would be able to articulate that really well because Spets is obviously uh, an incredibly smart hockey mind. Uh, he's a hockey lifer. He loves the game, loves the sport, and does have a real pulse on on his teammates. And his teammates love him right back or you know, his obviously his his old teammates loved him right back. So I would think there's there's definitely some great insight that he could provide. And you do see that the Leafs have targeted players with a little more sandpaper, a little more grit. Um, you look at what you know Luke Shen can do. Uh, you you see McCabe, like these are these are bigger players. They're they're guys that aren't afraid to to get involved in the physical side of the game. And it, it, the biggest thing for the Leafs is that they've just been so reliant in the playoffs on, okay, well, what are our core four going to do for us and how many pucks are they going to put in the net? And it's just not how you win in the playoffs. And there's no better example of that than Tampa. And you know you're going to play Tampa, so you may as well, yeah, you know, burn some of the tape from last year because it was awful. Uh, A couple of their, uh, you know, their periods, especially against them in the playoffs. But at the same time, take what they did well and and try to, you know, emulate that. And the one thing that the Lightning have always done well is they have a good mix of of those forward talents and, uh, you know, some of those grittier players. So I think when it comes to even just having Spezza involved in the way that he is so keenly aware of what probably what's gone wrong for the team the last couple of years and how they could change that, I have no doubt that, uh, you know, whatever he was asked, uh, for to do, whether that was give an opinion or um, highlight some players he thought might help. Uh, I'm sure that he uh, definitely was a valuable resource there for Dubas. Yeah, talk about a, a first-hand experience in the room with Kristen Shilton right now of ESPN. And to that point, I feel like you and Mark Masters know that dressing room most most intimately, Kristen. So you mentioned, and, and it was obvious, that Kyle Dubas really, really didn't want to trade roster players for a long time. And I thought Rasmus Sandin getting dealt was significant because he's one of Kyle Dubas's first draft picks. He's well-loved in the room. He was a Sioux draft pick. A Sioux draft pick. <laughs> like, that just adds to the whole allure and, and the viz of him and Willie walking out arm-in-arm when, when he was officially traded. What did you make of that? Were you surprised? You know, I was a little bit surprised only because it really felt like the rhetoric at the beginning of the season was how important Sandin was for the organization's future on the blue line. But it just goes to show you that, you know, 
in this league, it's all about what have you done for me lately? And it's also about we have to think about the organization as a whole. You've got to look at, I think Timothy Lilligren has maybe surprised in how well he has performed this season, seeing him kind of blossom and take on a bigger role and and really, uh, I, I think, get a good foothold with the club. Maybe that makes it easier to uh, move on from somebody like Sandine. But it's also that you have to look at what a player's value is to other teams out there. And if Washington is looking to, you know, kind of rebuild its defense and they wanted, you know, some young players with some term to make up for the veterans that were going out the door, you know, that's they're going to look and they're going to say, hey, you know, we like this guy. And if you're Dubas and you're thinking, hey, you know, I don't have a first round pick because I've been trading him away and that might be a valuable asset to have going into uh, the trade deadline on Friday, if this is who Washington wants, if this is who they feel is going to work in their system, and this is a good offer, do we have enough, you know, enough players in our system where we feel like we can make up for that deficit? And obviously they did. So it's it's the same with Engvall. I don't think that, you know, you necessarily want to move on from players that you draft and develop and who are important, um, you know, who have been important in your past. But uh, you just you have to make those bigger picture um, decisions to put the team in the best spot that you can going forward. So um, it, it's a little bit of, of, I think, everything, but it always comes down at this time of year to what's the best offer and is it an offer that you feel like if you're making it right now, does it make your team better now and into the future? And as you know, as in, as hard as it is to say goodbye to a 22-year-old defenseman, you know, you also have to look at, at who you have and what your goals are over the next couple of years. No guarantee, uh, you know, of anything. But if your goal right now is you want to win a Stanley Cup, you bring in Jake McCabe. He's got some term. Uh, if this is your window, then you've got to have the best players on the ice to try to make those things happen. With Kristen Shilton, 20 games to go for the Maple Leafs here before uh, the playoffs for its go time. What's the number one burning question that you still have that you want to be answered in the final 20? Well, I mean, it's a little bit about the goaltending. I, I think just because not that it hasn't been strong, but, you know, you've got these injuries to Murray. Is he going to be able to, to stay healthy here down the stretch? Not that I think they need to add a goalie, but I, I think the biggest thing is just you want to feel confident if you're the Leafs that you have that strong tandem going into the postseason and that they're at the top of their game. Uh, you're not going to be, you know, relying on Joseph Wall necessarily, although he's proven, I think, that he's pretty capable of being that number three guy. But I, I think there's so many questions that really have been answered to this point by the Leafs and the moves that they've made, the way that they've played. They've been pretty consistent. You look at their forward groups, it's hard to find a lot of flaws. They have good depth. They have, as we said, they've got the physicality a bit more ramped up now with some of these acquisitions. It really just comes down to are you going, when you go into a first round series, are you going to have in that week and a half, because it's all you have. It's like 10 days, basically, is your goaltending uh, really going to be there for you? And I, I think that's um, something that can't be answered necessarily over the next 20 games, except from a health perspective. And that's just, you know, let's see Murray come back. Let's see how he's able to perform. And, you know, Samsonov has, I think, been just, you know, he's he's been good despite, you know, what happened the other night. But 
it's uh, for me that's that's really the only lingering question I, w- I would have for Toronto. And again, I don't think they need to add a goalie. I, I think they've got the depth there. It's just it's going to be so important and so critical. Uh, and just that health is, uh, is, is a big factor. So I'll be, I'll be very uh, curious to see how uh, Murray is able to perform when he comes back and the kind of impact it has for Toronto. Yep, and he is technically can be activated at any point now to uh, off LTIR to, to join the main club. So we'll see if that happens soon and, and what he looks like, because you're right, that is definitely one of the big burning questions that I'm sure we'll all have throughout uh, the final 20 games. Kristen, really appreciate it, as always, and uh, we'll chat again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, Thank you for taking the time. It's been a, a busy couple of weeks for you, I'm sure. Hopefully you have yourself a nice bottle of red tonight to uh, to celebrate. <laughs> the whole bottle, A.B., I like it. Well, <laughs> Aim high. <laughs> size of my glass, man. I'm just waiting for it. I could just picture you. Like, what was that, uh, the lady across the street from the person with the door, whatever that show? What? Did you ever see that show on Netflix? Kristen, please tell me you've seen that Netflix show. The the one with... Um, oh, it's Kristen Bell. Yes. She keeps po- yeah, oh, I know exactly what that'll be me. Yes. It'll just be me and a gigantic glass of wine i can't wait i'm so glad that you knew what i was talking about because everyone else in the studio is looking at me like what the hell are you saying so Kristen, you're the best yes (laughs) thank you so much take care there it goes Kristen shilton aka Kristen bell in a couple of hours yeah it's a great i forget what it's called it's like the lady in the window across from the woman in the house or something like that it's a really convoluted that's the title of it, though. Yes. Oh, okay. That's, See, I thought you were just giving general context no, for no, the that's, movie. Exactly, because <laughs> it's such a weird title. But that's the title of it. And she has a glass that literally holds a full bottle of wine, and she drinks it. She just pours the full bottle into one glass. It's just massive. Um, did you see uh, on ESPN yesterday, it was kind of hilarious, speaking of ESPN and hockey and all this stuff, uh, there was a question posed, it was like Stephen A. Smith, uh, sorry, I'm not very well versed in ESPN culture, I usually throw on our daytime programming <laughs> instead of theirs, but um, it, it's a conversation at the table and, and the host asks, who's going to be the next New York team, you oh, saw I this? Saw it. Who's going to be the it. next New York team to win a championship? Uh, and very confidently, who is it? Michael K. I can't remember. I believe Michael K. Thank you. I think it was Michael K. That said the Rangers. And (laughs) the only response that Stephen A. Smith gave was, oh, Lord. He's like, oh, (laughs) Lord. It's like, what do you mean? The Rangers have a legitimate But they ended up getting to, they don't count. They don't. It's so sad. Come on, ESPN. I saw, like, uh, our, our hockey pals at ESPN were like, come on, guys. Get together. Yeah. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is the name of a real television show on Netflix. I think it's a 10 part series. And it's really good, actually. Okay. It was, uh, I, I recommend it. If you got a, a random weekend where you're looking to binge something, that is something I'd recommend. No also, Kristen Bell, love her. So. Yeah. She's hilarious. And she's great in that one. All right, Julia, we got one more lap around the track here it is trade deadline day there is just a little over an hour until the deadline itself uh, i'm mike DeStefano with juliet Sherry. leafs lunch continues here on tsn 1050 this is leafs lunch on tsn 1050 the leafs live here Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword lunch and your name to 105050. 
Standard text message rates apply. Welcome back. Leafs lunch on TSN 1050. It's trade deadline day. It's Julie Tesheri and Mike DiStefano. I'll do a quick little recap for y'all as to what's happened today. Uh, not seven a whole trades. lot. Yeah, and it's seven. been. I just saw James Myrtle tweet trade deadline day. Fair enough, but it's been a, it's been a fiery couple weeks leading yes. up to it. So you know what? We'll take it. Uh, Jake Vrana went to St. Louis. Nick Benino went back to Pitt. Curtis Lazar to Jersey. Brendan Lemieux went from L.A. to Philly. Nemestikov was flipped to Winnipeg. Uh, a small minor league deal between Montreal and L.A. that saw Frederick Allard and Nathan Schnarr get swapped. And Kulikov as well swapped for Brock McGinn between Pittsburgh and Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all the action today. Yeah, that's all we've seen so far. There's still some names out there, though, that like I do expect to see. Like We take a look at the trade bait board. JVR, he's still out there. Yeah, There'd somebody will pick him up. No reason. No reason for him to finish the season with Philadelphia. Someone's got to pick him up. Um, Joel Edmondson, we'll see what happens there. Like John Klingberg, we've talked about. There's teams out there that could use a John Klingberg. Like you, any team could oh use gosh, a top four yes. defenseman. Like, you let's can be get honest. him for a third-round pick right now. You could like, probably get him so cheap. Nick Sealer in Philadelphia. He's a really good third pair defensive defenseman. Like I, even if Edmonton's looking to add another defender, he might be a guy they could add. You know, there's so intriguing. Edmonton is Kenny Holland scheduled a press conference for about two p.m. local time, which was like I'm done, and now he's pushed it to three fifteen. Oh, so maybe he's decided that he's not done. Who Getting knows? in the race. Maybe there's something else that's popping up long, long, last second. All right. We got to fly, though. But it was fun. Today was a great day. I love trade deadline day. Uh, there's still about just over an hour left until the deadline officially hits. Uh, Matty Kaz will join at 2 p.m. He'll go over through whatever happens up until the deadline, and the boys will be here at 4 p.m. on Overdrive. But that does it for Leafs Lunch. Uh, if you want to, if you miss the show, any of it, you can find it on the TSN.ca website there, radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Kaz coming up next.